Good afternoon and welcome to Forest Fires. My name is John Clark. Regardless of my age, I don't think of myself as old. When I look in the mirror, I don't see myself as old. I mean, yes, I've been around the sun a few times, but when I look at people I think of as old, I don't see myself. Now, my kids, of course, probably have a very different perspective on this. While I don't see myself as old, I do have to acknowledge that the world that I live in today is vastly different than the world that existed when I was a kid. At 45 years old, I've seen the rise of the video game era. I've seen the internet become mainstream. I've seen email become a preferred form of communication over handwritten letters. I've seen the landline become a dinosaur, and I've watched socialization morph from an in-person activity to an online one. The world is different than it was when I was a kid, and that's okay. Progress requires change, and yes, at times, progress and change can be intimidating and even frightening. If I'm honest, it's not just the world that's changed. I have too. Time, experience, age, and life in general, it molds us, transforms us, and it changes us. In the 12-step rooms, we talk a lot about change. We tell people to not run from change, to not allow it to overwhelm them, and to be open to it. And in many cases, change is good. And for progress and growth to occur, change is essential. But while change is necessary, it's not always a good thing. Oftentimes, as the steady drum of progress beats on, some values are lost, some ways that we communicate disappear, and some beneficial aspects of who we are as a people get shelved and are seen as antiquated and out of date. Sometimes this is a good thing. But then again, sometimes it's not. Comparing ourselves to others isn't a new thing. Comparison wasn't born in the social media era, regardless of what you might think. It's as old as humankind itself. From the dawn of time, people have looked at each other and they've compared their behaviors. Just like change isn't always a good thing, comparison, on the other hand, isn't always a bad thing. Comparison has been the fuse that has changed social injustice. Comparison has helped the oppressed of our world rise up because they looked at others and said, we want what they have. We deserve what they have. As with most things in life, absolutes are rare. Change isn't always good, and it isn't always bad. And comparison isn't always bad for us. But then again, it isn't always a positive experience either. While there are no black and white absolutes, Experience has shown me that comparison can be dangerous for us, especially for those of us that are on this recovery journey. Adam Kurtz wrote, Comparing yourselves to others is not a useful metric unless every variable is identical, which will never be possible. End quote. Yet, that's exactly what many of us do. We see other people's Facebook profiles or Instagram posts, and we wonder why our life isn't as glamorous or adventurous as theirs. But in looking at those things, we fail to acknowledge that the variables are different. But as I said, this isn't a new concept. Most of you that are listening have heard the idiom about keeping up with the Joneses. 
This phrase was originated way back in the 1940s in a comic strip about a family that was constantly trying to climb the social ladder. They were constantly trying to have what their neighbors had, and they were constantly dissatisfied with what they already had. And that's a time that we as Americans idealize. This was the so-called greatest generation. Yet, comparison was so prevalent and rampant that it was satirized in a comic strip. Human beings are social creatures. There's no way that we can deny that. Socialization isn't just something that we do for fun. It's essential for our very survival. As a social species, we are strongly influenced by the opinions and the perception of others. Don't believe me? Look at how clothes and fashion has changed. Most of us are at least passively aware of what's in style and what's not in style. Now, that doesn't mean that you follow all the fashion trends in Vogue or in GQ, but most of us are at least aware that the leisure suits of the 70s aren't exactly cutting-edge style. We are intuitively aware that others are looking at us, and most of us don't want to be thought of as weird, lazy, weak, unfriendly, or any number of other things that appear to exist under the social norm. Many of us grew up in homes that reminded us to be aware of or even worry about what the neighbors might think of us or how the elders at our church would look at us. We've been culturally inundated with the message that comparison and maintaining a social norm isn't just appropriate, it's necessary. With all of this ingrained training, being told that comparison is or at least can be dangerous may be a difficult concept for us to wrap our brains around. Mark Twain said that comparison is the thief of joy. And as much as I think Mark Twain is an overrated hack, he was right about that one. Comparing our lives to another person steals us of the joy that exists around us. When we are constantly trying to get what someone else has, we become incapable of seeing what we already have. Simply speaking, excessive comparison makes being grateful almost impossible. While comparison can become an unhealthy practice for anyone, it's particularly dangerous for those of us that are trying to get and maintain our sobriety. Let's face it, getting and maintaining sobriety, it's hard. There's a lot at stake. While we have to get sober for ourselves ultimately, we can't deny that there are others that are looking on as we take this journey. Our kids, significant others, parents, etc., they're all waiting to see how we will do. They've heard our promises and apologies before, but this time, they're watching what we do. When we finally decide to lean into our recovery and take it as seriously as it should be taken, there's a lot at stake for us. Because of this, it's natural for us to look for signs and signals to measure how we are doing. While this is natural, it can also be detrimental to us, because many of us measure our progress against other people's. Comparing our recovery to someone else's can lead to a misleading result, and it's ultimately counterproductive. There are countless studies that show that social comparisons are bad for your mental health. One particular study found that people who compare themselves to others socially have significantly more negative mental health outcomes, such as feelings of guilt, envy, defensiveness, and regret. This same study demonstrated that those who compare themselves to others are more likely to be dishonest, to blame others, and to have unmet and unsatisfied cravings. Regardless of your thoughts on social media, the fact is, it's here to stay. 
Social media has provided us with a much more prevalent means by which to compare ourselves to other people. Significant research into social media and mental health has demonstrated that excessive social media use and the comparisons that we often make through it, they increase our feelings of depression and they result in an increased isolation. While these studies are important for all people to pay attention to, the research is particularly important for those of us that are in recovery. One of the reasons that it's so important that we pay attention to this is that there is a significant correlation between depression and substance abuse. If you've ever listened to this podcast or if you've ever heard me speak publicly, you've heard me say that drugs and alcohol aren't our problem. We are the problem. For me, at least, drugs and alcohol were a coping mechanism, a form of self-medication, if you will. And in some ways, I was medicating my untreated mental health issues, even those I didn't want to acknowledge that I had. But of course, not everyone that develops a substance use disorder is trying to self-medicate unprocessed feelings. Sometimes we start drinking or using for far more innocent reasons, and it simply gets out of control and ultimately reaches a point of no return. In either case, addiction can lead to feelings of shame, guilt, grief, and ultimately hopelessness. While the mental health benefits of avoiding comparisons is clear, Another reason to avoid comparing yourself to others in recovery is that it's almost always flawed and inaccurate. Addiction and recovery are complex and intimately personal. Simply speaking, no two people will ever have the exact same experience. Regardless of how much we may be able to relate to another person, each of us has a unique personal history and a different addiction story. Thank God none of us are exactly the same. Each of us has different strengths and weaknesses, as well as different skills and talents. More important than this is that regardless of what you see or what you think you know, you never really know what another person is going through. Yes, you may see a person that has the exact same clean or sober date as you, and they may be doing great, or on the other hand, they may not be doing well at all. Regardless, you have no idea what it's taken for them to get to that place whether that be a good place or a bad place. As much as we advocate openness and honesty in the recovery community, we as members of that recovery community still only know what others are willing to let us know. So much of recovery happens inside of our own heads. The hardest battles that I have ever fought in my recovery have been those that I have waged with my own thoughts. Even if a person seems to be doing great in their recovery, we have no way of knowing the internal struggles that they are dealing with. You may be enviously comparing yourselves to them, and they in turn may feel like they are struggling, failing, or slipping dangerously close to a relapse. Early in my recovery, I was told that other people's opinion of me is none of my business, and I still believe it's true. It doesn't matter what anyone else thinks of my recovery. It only matters what I think. While that's a good line to remind me not to compare myself to others, I'm human, and I still do it from time to time. The difference is, today I recognize when I'm doing it, and I can stop the train before it runs off the track. We have to always remember that recovery is not a race to some imagined finish line. I mean, there is no finish line. While you shouldn't procrastinate and waste time, there's no reward for getting through your steps faster than someone else. 
I've watched people time and again race through steps one, two, and three, and then slam headfirst into step four and relapse. The reality is they rushed through the first three steps and they weren't ready for the emotional battle that awaited them in step four. There is no valedictorian of recovery, no bonuses and no prizes for being more sober than someone else. It doesn't work that way. And because of that, comparing yourself to anyone else in recovery is simply ridiculous. Another problem with comparison is that it often leads to competition rather than cooperation. It's been said countless times that no one can get sober on their own. It's a community project, and we need all the help that we can get. I mean, I know I need all the help that I can get. Alcoholics and addicts are quite often some of the most competitive people I've ever met. We are hard-charging, driven people. But this competitive spirit can be counterproductive for our own recovery. I used to feel as though I was in competition with everyone I came in contact with, and invariably, I never felt like I measured up. Today, the only person that I'm competing with is the person that I was yesterday. Involvement in a strong and supportive recovery community is one of the best predictors of long-term success in recovery. Unfortunately, if you carry your competitive spirit and inclination to compare yourself to others within that community you erode the very foundation that's necessary for your success. Addiction recovery is a positive-sum game, meaning that all participants do better by working together. Instead of competing and comparing yourselves to another within the 12-step rooms, we learn to see another person's success as a motivator and an indicator that we can succeed. It reminds us that regardless of how we may feel today, there's always hope for a better tomorrow. Several years ago, I worked with a gentleman that had a tattoo of a bent arrow on his forearm. When I saw it originally, I thought the tattoo artist had made a mistake because it was crooked as hell. Finally, though, I asked him about it, and he said that it signified something that his grandmother had told him when he was a child. What she had said is that the trick to life is realizing that the path is always forward, but never straight. And that's the case with the recovery journey as well. Your recovery journey will be filled with countless peaks and valleys. If I measured my recovery based upon a singular day in my journey, or even a singular hour in a day, the results would likely be a poor indicator of how I'm really doing. The goal is simply to be better than who we were yesterday, not to make the same mistakes over and over again, and to fail better tomorrow. The journey of a thousand miles is measured in single steps, and so is your recovery. Quit comparing the steps that you take with the person walking in front of you or behind you because you have no idea the load that they are carrying. Instead, focus on small, sustained improvements, and one day, not too long from now, you're going to look up and realize how far you've come. These small, sustained improvements accumulate over time and eventually lead to a strong and healthy recovery. Thank you for tuning in to Forest Fires. Reach out and lift another alcoholic or an addict up today. Continue to be the light in the darkness for the addict or the alcoholic that's still struggling. And as always, stay reachable, stay teachable, and stay humble. Thank you.